What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. True crime, unsolved cases, strange disappearances. Join me as we travel through the timeline of some of the darkest acts in human history. I'm your host, Kevin Eustace, and welcome to the second season of The Deadly Countdown. Episode 1, Gianni Versace. The Death of an Icon Hi everyone and welcome back to The Deadly Countdown Season 2. And on our debut episode, we look at the murder of a fashionista. One of the rarest things that a human being can do is be considered a legend within their lifetime. Many people may become a household name during their lifetime, but for most people, legendary status only rarely comes post-death. And even then, to be recognised in the top five of your genre is such an outstanding achievement that to achieve it during life is almost unimaginable. Pick any genre. For example, music. Elvis, The Beatles, Madonna, Michael Jackson, they all achieved this legendary status whilst alive. If I ask you to think of a car, you would probably say a Ford. If I ask you to think of a top-end car, you possibly might say a Porsche or a Ferrari. And if I ask you to think of a famous fashion designer, you would think Gianni Versace, Vivian Westwood, Hugo Boss. My point being, Gianni Versace achieved that level of status while still alive. Within the fashion world, he was the Ferrari. He was the Elvis. And on July the 15th, 1997, he was murdered in cold blood on his own doorstep. But before we take our deep dive into the tragic murder of Gianni Versace, we of course need to thank our wonderful team over on Patreon. 
When you sign up to Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before anyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to the twice-monthly podcast Cold Case. Cold Case does exactly what it says on the tin, and we take a look at some of the most famous cold cases from around the world. So far, covering the likes of the Black Dahlia, D.B. Cooper, and the Sodder Children. And Cold Case will only be available to our Patreons. But the best thing about our Patreon team is the community. We're building a wonderful true crime community over on Patreon. And we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the deadly countdown. Just like the following new team members have. Jessica Maroney, Kathan Fraley, Alicia, Laura Monroe, Roger S, Tony T, Fragrant Memories, Andrew Durst, Warm Trusts, Getting Good and Ray S. Thank you so much, guys. It truly means the world. And I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free content and, of course, those cold case episodes. So now is the chance to get in early for our Patreon. Why not treat yourself? Head over to patreon.com forward slash the deadly countdown. But right now, it's time to take a look at two people. One, a fashion icon known worldwide. And the second person, someone so entitled, they believed the world owed them something. And when the world decided to not pay out, they decided to lash out. And so, for Gianni Versace, the death of an icon, let's start the clock. Hello, welcome back. These are pictures from uh, Miami, where the fashion designer Gianni Versace has been shot dead outside his villa on the Ocean Drive. Uh, these are the scenes where police are now carrying out a huge operation uh, to try to find out... Uh, any clues that might still be around in the area. Uh, they're searching for a white man aged about 25 who's being sought in connection with the shooting, which happened uh, just around 9 o'clock in the morning local time in Miami when uh, Mr. Versace was returning from a nearby cafe where he had been having breakfast. July the 15th, 1997. Miami Beach basked under the Florida sun, oblivious to the tragedy unfolding on the steps of Casa Casuarina. Two gunshots, sharp and sudden, shattered the morning calm and peace. It was Gianni Versace, fashion's flamboyant emperor, laying crumpled, his life extinguished in an instant. Panic flooded the opulent mansion, the echo of the shots reverberating through the fashion world leaving a void as large as the designer himself. Police swarm the crime scene, meticulously piecing together the fragments of Versace's final moments. CCTV footage revealed a chilling glimpse, a lone figure, a figure later identified as Andrew Kinnanen, calmly walking away from the steps just seconds after the gunshots were fired. Who was this seemingly calm and collect killer? And how was he easily able to get to one of the world's most famous people? 
Born on August the 31st, 1969, in National City, California, Kananan was the youngest of four children in a Filipino-American family. His father, Modesto Kunanin, was a former naval officer, and his mother, Mary Ann, was a homemaker. Kunanin grew up in a middle-class neighbourhood. His father was strict and imposing, while his mother was considered protective. The dynamics within this family, particularly his relationship with his father, were exceptionally strained. Modesto Kunanin served in the US Navy during Vietnam, and later he'd work as a stockbroker. His career initially provided a comfortable lifestyle, allowing them to live in a middle-class neighbourhood and send Andrew to a private school. But the earnings made by Modesto, apparently, were not completely legit. The specific nature of the criminal allegations that have been brought against Modesto is not substantially stated in any public documents. Nonetheless, it's commonly recognised that these charges are linked to financial irregularities. It has been reported he was suspected of either embezzlement or theft of cash related to the company he worked for. It's quite possible that his profession as a stockbroker was tied to this financially irresponsible behaviour. But as soon as the allegations were made public, Modesto was in danger of being arrested and perhaps prosecuted. Therefore, he left his family behind in the US and fled to the Philippines in order to avoid any legal ramifications that would have resulted from his actions. As a result of this abandonment, the family experienced a significant effect, both financially and emotionally. This was especially true for one Andrew Cunanan, who was said to have a strong relationship with his father. When his father left the US, Andrew was going into his late teens. The abrupt transition from a life of relative affluence to one that was marked by scandal and financial struggle was unsettling to say the least. Andrew's later behaviour, notably his inclination to manufacture stories about his past and his newfound hobby of pursuing relationships with wealthier older men is said to have been significantly influenced by this episode. It's been argued the leaving of Andrew's father has been the main factor in the moulding of Andrew Kinnanen, the adult. It is entirely possible that Andrew's later behaviour was influenced by his reaction to the activities of his father and the changes that occurred in the family's circumstances. A complicated psychological profile is likely the result of a combination of factors, which would include the loss of status, the betrayal and abandonment by his father, and the entire change the whole family had to endure. It was after the departure of his father that Andrew started making up stories about his family history 
and his own personal life. It's possible he was using these as a coping strategy to deal with what he saw as a loss of social standing and to keep up the appearance of affluence and stability. Kunanan attended the Bishop's School in the La Jolla neighbourhood of San Diego, an exclusive private school. His intelligence was noted early on, reportedly having an IQ of 147. Certainly, Andrew Kunanan's behaviour during his school years is a critical aspect of understanding the complex personality and the early signs of the issues that would later manifest in his life. His time in school, particularly at the Bishop's School in La Jolla, provides an insight into his early psychological profile and social interactions. Cunanan's behaviour in school was marked by a clear need for attention and recognition. He often engaged in actions that would make him stand out amongst his peers, craving the spotlight and validation from other people. In the classroom, he was known to be articulate and could be very charming, but he also had a tendency to dominate conversations and discussions, often seeking to be the centre of attention. A significant aspect of Cunanan's behaviour was his propensity for fabricating stories about his life. He would tell his classmates about lavish lifestyles, travels, connections with wealthy and influential people, most, if not all of which, were untrue. These fabrications served multiple purposes. They were a means for Cunanan to gain attention and admiration from his peers. And they also allowed him to create an alternate reality where he could escape the less glamorous aspects of his actual life. To some classmates, Cunanan's stories were entertaining and they added to his allure. To others, they were a clear sign of his tendency to exaggerate and a reason to be cautious about both him and his claims. Cunanan's behaviour affected his relationships with peers. While his charisma and his intelligence would draw people to him, his tendency to lie and exaggerate would push people away, or at the very least, cause scepticism. His actions suggest a deep-seated need for affirmation and acceptance, possibly stemming from insecurities or a sense of inadequacy. But this need for affirmation was definitely a driving force behind much of this attention-seeking behaviour. I'm sure we can all think of someone personally of a similar disposition, be it down to some childhood trauma or something they have went through in their life. But one thing is for sure, that person that you're thinking of right now that you know that may display some of these characteristics are not a killer. Well, should we say it's highly unlikely that they're a killer? Cunanan's behaviour in school exhibited early signs of narcissistic traits, such as a grandiose sense of self-importance and a need for excessive admiration. 
His ability to lie convincingly and manipulate stories without regard for truth suggests a lack of empathy and an ability to disconnect from reality. The schoolboy Andrew Cunanan shown a mix of intelligence, charm, and a deep-seated need for attention and recognition. His propensity for fabricating stories was a notable characteristic that set the stage for his later life. These behaviours can be seen as early indicators of the psychological issues that would become more pronounced and destructive as he grew older. Understanding this aspect of the personality is crucial in piecing together the puzzle of his eventual descent into criminality and murder. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. By the time Andrew Cunanan arrived in sun-drenched Miami, he was already on the FBI's most wanted list for the murders of four previous victims. With each murder, his notoriety grew, and the intensity of the manhunt that was being conducted across the country increased. The very first person to be identified as a victim of Cunanan's murderous rampage was Jeffrey Trail, a former naval officer in the US Navy, who was also a friend of Cunanan. The murder of Trail took place on April 27, 1997, in the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota. A second acquaintance of Cunanan's, David Madsen, was the one who discovered his body, which was wrapped in a rug and located in his flat. 
Trail had been bludgeoned to death by Cunanan with the use of a claw hammer. The second victim was none other than David Madsen himself, an architect who had been Cunanan's love companion. Cunanan and Madsen were spotted together after the murder of Geoffrey Trail, which led to initial misunderstanding over Madsen's role in the crime. Madsen's body was discovered at a later time by East Rush Lake in rural Minnesota. His body was riddled with bullet holes. He was thought to have been slain around May 3, 1997, only a few days after Jeffrey Trail. Was this a sign of Cunanan's slide into paranoia, given that Madsen had found the body of Trail? Did Cunanan's seemingly overriding sense that he was meant for something purposeful on the earth mean any witnesses needed to go, no matter if they were their romantic partner or not? The next stop on Cunanan's murder spree is arguably the most horrific. Mr. Lee Miglin, a prominent real estate developer in Chicago, was the third person to lose their life to this narcissistic young man with delusions of grandeur. He was in the garage of his own home on May the 4th, 1997, when along comes Andrew Cunanan. The nature of this murder was exceptionally violent, garnering a significant amount of attention from the media. It was discovered that Miglin had been tied to a chair in his garage, then stabbed repeatedly, and then a saw blade had been used to slice across his throat. In addition to that, Cunanan took Miglin's automobile, which he used to get to his next destination. That destination, apparently by total fate, was none other than a cemetery. Cunanan needed a new vehicle, and the bright red pickup truck gleamed like a diamond as Cunanan spied it on his first drive-by. Turning around, he drove up the cemetery path and entered the caretaker's office. And there sat William Reese, the cemetery caretaker in Pennsville, New Jersey. Little did he know, as he exchanged small talk with the bespectacled, blonde, meek man in front of him, he was about to be the fourth person to lose their life to Andrew Cunanan. Shot exactly where he stood, the murder of Reese took place on May the 9th, 1997. Reese was murdered by Cunanan solely for the purpose of stealing the red pickup truck, which he would use to travel to Florida. The fact that Reese was not known to have any prior relationship with Cunanan, in contrast to the other victims, marked a significant change in Cunanan's pattern of behaviour. Petty vengeances had turned to a need for evasion and survival. The murders 
which took place in a number of states and involved victims who had a variety of associations with Cunanan, pre-William Rees, that is, provided a picture of an extremely unpredictable and deadly character. Both the public and law enforcement were more concerned and more urgent about apprehending Cunanan as a result of the ferocity of these atrocities and the apparent lack of a consistent purpose for each crime. Well, that red pickup truck made it to Miami. Relocating to Miami may have been a calculated move to elude law authorities, as he likely anticipated that a change in location would diminish the likelihood of being identified or even apprehended. Given it's a vibrant tourist destination and a very laid-back affair, Miami likely appeared as a more conducive environment for Cunanan to assimilate compared to some of the settings of his previous murders. Cunanan had already visited Miami and was acquainted well with the place. His familiarity with the area likely influenced his selection, as he could navigate it with a certain degree of confidence. Miami, specifically South Beach, was renowned for a lively LGBT community. Cunanan, an openly homosexual individual, may have been drawn to the city because of this openness, a vibrant and, ironically for a murderer, safe social and cultural melting pot, which not only provided opportunities to socialise, but also for him to scout possible victims for manipulation. However, considering Cunanan's progressively unpredictable conduct and psychological condition, his choice to relocate to Miami may not have been wholly logical or carefully thought out. Perhaps it was an impromptu decision, motivated by his growing inclination towards impulsiveness. With Cunanan's diminishing resources and increasing desperation, he may have viewed relocating to a different place as an opportunity to begin anew, or at the very least evade the escalating pressures he encountered. Cunanan's extravagant way of living was mostly supported by his associations with affluent older gentlemen. Now, as these relationships deteriorated, his financial assistance also declined, resulting in a heightened desperation. It was his breakdown of his first sugar daddy, Norman Blatchford, which seemed to alter his psyche. Andrew had grew not only accustomed to, but felt entitled to a life with all the financial trappings of the elite, but with minimal work. Cunanan met Blatchford in 1994 or 95. At the time, Cunanan was living a lavish lifestyle in San Diego, often frequenting high society parties and clubs. He was known for his charm, his intelligence, and his ability to ingratiate himself with wealthier, older men. Blatchford provided Cunanan with an allowance and a home, supporting his extravagant lifestyle. This kind of relationship 
was a pattern for Cunanan, who had previously been involved with another wealthy elder man, Lincoln Aston, before meeting Blatchford. The relationship reportedly lasted about a year, but during this time, Cunanan enjoyed the benefits of Blatchford's wealth. Not only did he have an allowance, he lived in his home and was able to drive all of his cars. But after the relationship ended, Cunanan's life began to spiral. This resulted in the loss of both financial and emotional assistance that Cunanan had become accustomed to. As his typical sources of support and the identity he'd created for himself began to collapse, Cunanan encountered a crisis. The danger he faced to his sense of self-worth and personal identity, both of which were intricately connected to the way he lived his life and the image he presented to other people, was immense. There were indications that there was a possibility Cunanan had been gradually engaged in heavy drug use, which could also have been a contributing factor to his erratic behaviour, and indeed his psychological instability. But away from the seemingly ad hoc acts of recklessness, there were also signs that Cunanan painstakingly arranged his acts prior to the homicides despite the fact he exhibited behaviour that was unexpected. His activities, which included acquiring a pistol and making travel arrangements, are indicative of a premeditated and calculating strategy, as they were taken in preparation for the event. Cunanan exhibited a fixation on affluence, on notoriety, on luxurious living and given its reputation as a haven for affluent individuals and, of course, its association with Gianni Versace, Miami likely possessed a distinct appeal for Andrew Cunanan. There is conjecture on whether Cunanan specifically travelled to Miami with the explicit purpose of targeting Versace, and it still remains hypothetical as there is no definitive evidence to indicate that Cunanan intentionally travelled to Miami with the deliberate intention of assassinating Versace. One thing that cannot be questioned is that Versace was murdered on the morning of July the 15th, 1997, outside of his mansion in Miami Beach, Florida. Shot twice in the back of the head at close range by one Andrew Cunanan. The search for Cunanan after the killing of Versace was one of the most thorough and widely covered in the history of the US. It also attracted significant media coverage both domestically and across the globe. Cunanan exhibited exceptional elusiveness, frequently altering his whereabouts and his appearance. Cunanan had one of those faces and bodies he could simply slip on a baseball cap and a pair of sunglasses and blend into the crowd. The media played a pivotal role in the pursuit of the fugitive. The photograph and facts about Cunanan were extensively disseminated, so enhancing public awareness and the likelihood of sightings. 
Nevertheless, as is often the case in these situations, the media coverage actually led to a lot of misinformation, false leads, and fake confessions. However, the appeals, the searches, the media coverage would all be for naught, because the pursuit would swiftly come to an end. As on July the 23rd, 1997, Cunanan's lifeless body was discovered in a houseboat in Miami. He died by suicide, using the same firearm that killed Versace and the others. The finding of his corpse concluded the hunt. However, it left numerous inquiries unresolved, particularly in relation to his intentions. One thing this case does highlight is a tremendous media coverage can have a crucial impact on a manhunt, both assisting and confounding the search efforts. Andrew Cunanan was a man who simply wanted attention. He wanted fame. He wanted his moment in the sun. And I often wonder what would be the case of someone akin to Andrew Cunanan today in the age of social media, in the age of viral videos, when arguably everyone can have their five minutes of fame, when senses of entitlement are higher than they've ever been, and when being famous for famous's sake is actually a thing. Perhaps for all its negatives, if social media existed at the time of the Versace murder, he would still be alive today. But of course, that's sheer speculation on my behalf. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for choosing to spend your time with me right here on your show, The Deadly Countdown. And I hope you enjoyed our debut episode of Season 2. Please remember, we're an early show, and we will improve as we go. I have one goal and that's to make a show you find interesting, a show you want to listen to, and a show you feel part of. And you can be. As we said, head over to patreon.com forward slash the deadly countdown. All audio used in today's episode is covered under fair use, and the links to which can be found in the show notes. Please be sure to join us next week for episode two, when we look at one of the most horrific cases in recent memory. The latest on those two 12-year-old girls accused of nearly stabbing a friend to death, driven by the fictional Slenderman character. Yes, next week we take a look at a case of folie Jew, Slenderman, when life imitates death. But until next week, stay safe, take care, and for Gianni Versace the death of an icon, let's stop the clock.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.